episode of the Yes Girl podcast is made possible by Mac Studio Fix. Having the right base for your makeup is the key to any look. I think we can all agree that we want our cosmetics to look as natural and flawless as possible. Mac's best-selling Studio Fix franchise, featuring the all-new soft matte foundation stick, offers just that and so much more. Lightweight, buildable coverage, sign control, and a matte finish. Studio Fix provides a vast range of shades to complement our beautiful array of hues and provides the tools to create your own masterpiece. A flawless look built to last all day. Visit MacCosmetics.com to match your shade and let your creativity shine. Charlie Penn, I'm tired. For good reason. For good reason. And when I woke up this morning, I took my shower, and you know what I put on? Shea butter, baby. baby. Can we can we curse? What are we doing? That's our shit. <laughs> Sorry, everyone. But Ari Lennox, as you know, we stand for her. You heard the episode. Corey and I went to go see her last night and Lizzo. And Lizzo, y'all. All right, we're going to get to Lizzo. But can we set up Ari real quick? Because Ari, girl, oh my God. First of all, Ari, I'm going to take your braids. <laughs> all right, because now I'm a braid queen and I need my braids. Yes. And I want it's her to be. It's going to be a regular appearance. And Ari, your voice, Radio City motherfucking Music Hall. Hello. Filled the whole entire And it sounded just like it does on the track. It does. You know how some people live just sound a little breathy? I'll just All say breathy. All of it. She sounded like, I was like, are we, are we playing? The, are we on Spotify? <laughs> I did have a clutch my pearls moment. Because, you know, I listen to her music and I know what she's singing. But <laughs> there was a moment on the stage where she was like, how many of you guys like to be fucked in the back seat? And I was like, oh, oh, oh. And then a lot of hands went and up. And there were a lot of hands that went up. The girl yeah. next, well, not the girl next to me because that was my niece. But the girl next to her. And I was just like, oh, oh, okay, we're all sharing. <laughs> But still, that's what Ari we love about her. her. But that's what we love about she her. Really, just makes you, everybody be themselves. What she's singing um, is real. It's so real. But she makes, and I don't want to even say beautiful because it makes it feels light. But she makes it so relatable. Relatability. Uh, Vocals. Yes, Ari, you did it. You did Sis, it. We were you so proud it. of you. We told you we would come. We did. We were there. We were there screaming for you, sis. And then we got a treat at the end that was Lizzo. But first, I am Charlie Penn. I am Corey Murray. And this is Yes, yes Girl. Girl. The who's post-concert our... edition. Yes. We tired. Tell me real quick, who's our guest this week? Because I didn't get to speak to our guest. Okay, so it's a special episode this week, you guys. It is the first Yes Girl and Solve crossover episode. You know, I, <gasps> I got a whole a other you know, podcast that I know you guys are also listening to. Thank you. So the Solve is our relationship advice podcast that I host. That's all about getting to the bottom of like burning relationship problems. Sham Booty a.k.a. Shampoo Ram, is one of the top sexperts. I love that word. Because to be called a sexpert, that means you have receipts, Corey. Like, you do is research. She, I was going to say, is she educated? Ed, you have studied okay. healthy, sexual, positivity, bodies, education, relationships, okay. everything. Mm -hmm. And that's Shan. And she has a new book out called The Game of Desire, Five Surprising Secrets to Dating with Dominance, ow, and Getting What You Want. Okay. And she's like the YouTube go-to queen for all things sex advice. She can talk about sex like people talk about news and the weather, just comfortably and with receipts and facts. And I love her. What? And you, we had to be able to do that. We got to talk about our genas. 
We do have to talk about her, Gina. You know, we, we love we love her. She's our best friend. Cardi said it. First of all, I rub along because she's my best friend. You know what I'm saying? And second of all, it's because it seems like that's what people want to hear. No, but seriously, yes. Shan is a lot of fun. We had a great time. I wish you could have been there, Corey. Mm. But I have some questions for you to kind of get you in the spirit of what we were talking about. But wait, before we go there. Oh, you want to talk about Lizzo? I want to talk about Lizzo. Girl. Tempo? Got my life. Lizzo? I literally, I was low-key. Um, wait, shout out to, I won't put this person on blast, but she knows who she is. Well, actually, I'm going to tell Juliet Jones. Juliet Jones over at Atlantic Records blessed me. Oh, yeah. I saw your braids in the front row. No, no, no. It was yeah. more than the front row. It was, you were like, on stage. There was, I was on stage. Like, it was, like, my niece was like, I was like, how are our seats? Because I had to, you know, I was, I was a little late getting there. And she goes, girl, we are on the front row. We are, like, at the stage. Mm-hmm. I was like, and when everyone stood up and Lizzo came out, we looked at each other and said, we don't have to stand because she's right in front of us. I saw your little braids bobbing up there. So I was shout like, out. thank you for yes, the tickets. Corey Murray. But I, but I realized this is the second the time access. I've seen Lizzo perform. I saw her at a, a small oh, venue. It's my second time. It's my second time. But you know what? This girl has been consistent. She's a great performer. She's so good. She's so much fun. And I realized, I wish I could have recorded the whole thing because her messaging in between. Oh, yeah. Love yourself. Love your thighs. Have fun. And her dancers. Oh, my God. The thick girls. Is it the thick girls? I think it's, yeah, she just called them the thick girls or the big. Big girls. The, the, the big, big girls. girls. Come on. Shout out to the big girls. Those they girls were, were working amazing. those curves and thighs. All right. But I do have one small confession. What? So. I, real talk, I had to leave just a tad bit early. Because um, you're grown. Because I'm, you know, a whole neighbor was watching my child. Because <laughs> I was like, um, mommy's got to go. I have got to Lizzo see this. Um, so I was you buying a t-shirt and I like I needed the I last. a t-shirt too. I, but I don't need another t-shirt in my life. It was just, I have so many t-shirts. But I felt like I needed to support. And I was standing in front of the sweatshirt that said 100% that bitch. Mm-hmm. And I was debating buying it. And then I was like, do I feel like I'm 100% that bitch? You don't feel like 100% and that bitch? And I don't bitch? feel like 100% that Why bitch. Why not? We got to get to the bottom of this I know, but I realized that, you know what? Like Cardi B is my, my guru, I am going to tap into my Lizzo-ness. So you're going to study at the School of Lizzo? I'm going to study at the School of Lizzo, and I hope by the end of the year that I'm going to be 100%. I'm going to feel 100% I'm going to quiz you in January. I think I feel like 75% that bitch. What do you feel like you need to do to be 100%? What's the other 25? I think I, I don't know. I, I need to I need to tap into it and see what the Damn, issue Corey, is. Damn, Corey, now you have me over here giving my grading my own test. I'm I'm only like sixty percent that bitch because there's so many moments where that bitch is in my head telling me what I should have done. Yes, and real Charlie in real life didn't do it. Real Charlie, real Corey. I'm like, oh, Lizzo, we that. need a syllabus. Sis. We yes. gotta get Lizzo on the show yes. and do the syllabus. Yes, and Let's listeners, tell us how, how what percentage are you that bitch? Yeah, please hashtag Yes Girl Podcast and give us ideas of how we can all Raise all our of numbers. us. We need our numbers. We up. need to ace this test. We need 100% that bitch. Come on. We're going to 100% that bitch. And tell us when you feel it, how you got there, and like just teach us the way, sisters. I love Damn. it all. You got me really thinking about no, this. No, I really, really, I really walked out of there like, oh shit. And then also a small part of me was like, I don't want Julian to question me. Like, what is 100% that bitch if I'm Well, it's it? funny that you say that because yeah. I went back and forth between the shirt that just said Lizzo on the front mm-hmm. and 100% that bitch on the back. Mm-hmm. Then I was like, okay, no, I'm just going to have it all on, like, on the boobs, just amplify just it. out there. But then I was like going through my head, like, where would I wear this? <laughs> Because that's why I was like, am I wearing this to the park? To the I drop definitely her off? would wear it to travel because I need TSA to know at all times. True. I'm not the one. 
So I was like, this will be an airline shirt. And this will go to your point about that story you shared about um, folks questioning you when you were in first class. Mm -hmm. I did have a bit of a moment last night in my good front row seats. This man, the man next to me said, hey, what seat are you? Because just want to make sure we have the right seat. And I'm like, you lying. But it felt good to pull that ticket and be like, seat number three. I'm where I need to be, sir. Yes. Auntie Angela told us. Thank you. Okay. Anywho. But we had a great time. Good. Lizzo's fans are so lit. They are so lit. Oh, my God. Oh, wait. Okay. I do have one. I have to see if anyone in the earth feels me. I happen to be that girl, no matter what concert I go to, Corey, no matter where my seats are, balcony, orchestra, back, front, nose, we don't matter. I always end up with that couple or those friends right in front of me. (laughs) You know, y'all know who I'm talking about. Tiff was right there. Our producer is laughing because she was right there next to me. No one else in front of us was standing except for doing Ari's entire performance. This couple, I got them on camera because I'm considering just putting it up. Like, y'all, I don't know who you are, but you owe me a ticket. Okay? (laughs) They stood up this entire time, never moved. Like, this this is the way I feel. Either everyone stands or everyone sits. Mm-hmm. If you're standing and no one else is standing, you owe the people behind you the ticket <laughs> price. You do. Where am I going to go? It's true. I'm five feet four. I could see nothing. Every video I have has the corner of her curls and like a blurry Ari Linux in it because I'm trying to zoom through their shoulders. I am mad. I pay what you paid to us. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I really, I need to talk about it. And somehow, I'm always behind that person. The, and I and I literally turned to Tiff and I said, Tiff, who raised them? Did I not, Tiff? I was like, who raised them? They didn't look back once to like. To be like, let me let be considerate. Who, whose night I'm ruining. They didn't do it. And I was like, wait a minute. They're not going to look? Because I was waiting for them to look so I could give her the, yeah, you need to sit down look. She never looked back. It took everything in me not to go over there and tap them on the shoulder and politely say, would you guys mind sitting Sitting down down. so the people behind you can have a chance of seeing? A chance. A chance. I'm cool when everybody stands. We've been there. Essence Fest, we are on our feet. Yes. I'm sorry. I have to get that out. So if you are one of those people who stands no matter what at a show, I'm asking you right now, seriously, why? And do you think about the people behind you? And would you be willing to pony up for their tickets? Because you live in wrong. All right. That was a public service. That was a PSA from Charlie Penn. From the short people in the back. <laughs> Who can't see over your weaves, says, but they love you. <laughs> Look us out. I mean it. I love music For too. helps on getting your refunds back. Yeah. Let me know yes if y'all feel podcast. me. Hashtag Yes Girl Podcast. <laughs> now, Corey, we have to move along. We do. Okay. So I told you that we talked to Shan about healthy sex and our bodies and just, we went in, girl. Because Shan is, like I said, a real one. So I have a question for you, sis. Okay. What do you wish you would have known about your body or sex when you were younger? Mm. Um... <laughs> you got a story? No, I just keep seeing my mother's face. Um, okay. We can I, keep it PG. Um, I will say this. <laughs> or G. <laughs> oh my God. Disney. Well, no, okay. So, one big thing I remember thinking, you know, when you hear about sex or having sex, it's like you're supposed to have like this wild, like porn kind of sex. Like you a know, movie. like a movie sex. Romp. A romp. A romp. And that's not always the case. And then also I remember someone telling me that you're not going to have an orgasm 
Like an orgasm and coming are not the same thing. True. Right? Factual. Yeah, yeah. And they're not always guaranteed. And then... That was real. Yeah. And then I actually remember reading a story a long time ago. I think it was in Marie Claire about a woman who wrote um, that for her, it's, it's actually actually if she was, she never really had an orgasm until she had, she was dating a guy who really liked her and mm. they had really connected and she felt that she could give herself. And she said then for her, sex became a lot different. And I know that can be very romanticized. But it's true. But I but something about it, I, when I remember reading it going, oh. Sex is far more emotional for women. Exactly. And I don't think I didn't learn that till much later. Right. Because yeah. who's telling us, right? No. Because no we come from an era, I think, where our mothers were just like, and aunties were like, look, yeah. wear a condom. Yeah. Get out of my house. One Don't small other thing, not small thing, but one other thing. So you know how, yes, women's magazines, we write those stories to death about like talking to your partner, or talk, talk, talk. So I finally listened and talked to a partner um, in my 20s. And I remember, you know, trying to be open me like, listen, this is not as enjoyable for me. I need, can we work on this or whatever? He was like, <laughs> I, I put it down. Uh, I, put it down. I, I put people to sleep. <laughs> I put him to sleep. Huh. Maybe oh, it's you. And we broke up right rapper. after that. I bet you did. And, and I remember it fucked with me for a little bit. But, you know, it wasn't until I got older. I'm like, oh, no, he was stupid. And he wasn't ready for that conversation. No. Which no. is why it's sort of like, you, I think we all wish we'd known. But how could you have known? Because you got to no. grow into it. Yes. Because my favorite saying, my favorite one is women are ovens and men are microwaves. Mm. That is us. We got to preheat, baby. Yes. Got to get to 350, <laughs> 425 before you put... The cookies egg. We really do. Yeah. They can just, out of, what is that super defrost on the microwave? <laughs> that is any dude in his 20s. And we're not mad at y'all, but no, please understand. Then, we need it's time. a little different for us, but we go ahead. Yes. We got to preheat and cool down. What about you? What about you? What's your? So, okay. So this is, this is a little emotional for me because last week this study came out, mm -hmm. right? And we covered it and they learned that one in 16 U.S. women said their first sexual experience, Corey, was either forced or coerced. Ooh. But they didn't all identify it as rape. But we know, like, essentially that's the it definition. But what that made me think about, and to answer your question, I guess I would say I wish I would have known it could wait. And I think my friends and I talk about that a lot. Because yeah. when I read that statistic and I thought about coerced, I kind of felt like I could understand what that meant. Mm -hmm. Because at that age, there's a lot of peer pressure. Yes. You know what I mean? And me and my girlfriends have talked about this as we got into our 20s and 30s. Most of us are like, we definitely could have waited. Mm -hmm. Or whatever age we lost our virginity yeah. or started really having sex, mm -hmm. we could have definitely waited. Yes. Yeah. And we think back and it felt like we needed to. Mm -hmm. And I think about coercion and, you know, guys will forever and always be asking for it at that age. Mm -hmm. But I just wish someone had told me like, girl, you can yeah. definitely start in your 20s. Because I think, or 30s or whatever, because I think you really realize that if you have too many negative experiences with something, how is that much harder for it to be positive? Yeah. So I guess that's, that's a what, good you question. know what I'm yeah, saying? No, like, you have to reteach your body to enjoy yeah. something if you started too early. Yeah. So that's real. But Shan does all the, the, the like, breakdown. We're going to let her. Girl, it was a great conversation. Ooh, I cannot wait to listen We're going to play it here on Yes Girl, and you can also check it out over at The Solve. Go subscribe and download. Corey, before we wrap, we got lots of love on Graham, on Twitter, on Apple, and I have to tell you, sis, I know you're smiling. There's an ice an ice eater out there. <gasps> There's an ice eater yes, girl, out there? She, let me show you. I got you for you. I got you. This is the show love segment, <laughs> and I took a screen grab for Corey. Hold on, y'all. You got to wait for it. It's worth it. I did look up why... Um, people are addicted to ice. 
It's like a tell a, us while I find a, a screenshot. A, a pick a pica, like people who are addicted to um, starch. Um, it's like has things that have no nutritional value. And then they get it. And also, them. but it's also a, a sign of stress. Oh, I was like, oh, mm-hmm. and you have so much fun chewing your eyes. I do love my you eyes. You do. There's your, there's your shout out. Cooper, hi. She writes, oh my, OMG, I never felt more seen and loved. Hashtag Yes Girl Podcast. Just gave a shout out to hashtag Ice Eaters. <laughs> that would be me. Hashtag Good Ice. Hashtag Levels. Hashtag Ice is my favorite snack. <laughs> I need you we to need own, to meet up. I need we you need to, to meet hashtags. up. I need you to keep Ice Eaters alive. I know. I know Chick Fil A is wrong. I but know they, they have are. the best ice. They have the best ice. I, know. I mean, as far as fast food goes. No, no, I know, and the best nuggets and iced tea, and we're not going to. No, about we're that. not going to talk about it. That's a lot of my relationship with Chick Fil A. But I just okay. felt like I had to share that well, as you an ice eater. Feel seen. Thank you. I think you should start every other segment crunching, just for the folk. But now y'all made me realize how quickly I can go to the studio, <laughs> get some ice before my meeting. Okay, look. All right, that's it's a it. problem. That's fine. Okay, ice eaters. Corey yeah. is with y'all. Hashtag ice eaters. She'll be there. <laughs> She'll be there. Okay, this one's good. We everybody loved the Jadena interview last week. Ooh. We told them they would. Uh, Serene Williams says this guy Jadena is all kinds of wholesome. Loved his chat with Man Wife Dog and Corey Murray on Yes Girl. Hey, boo. Hello. Okay, I got some great ones on Apple, okay? Okay. This one is from the Bayou Bookslayer. Hello. I love that name. Listen to the Ari Lennox podcast, and I wanted to get your birthday wish in, Charlie. I love the podcast. It's part of my routine as I prepare work. Thank you, boo. Okay, wait. We got another one. We got another one. I absolutely love this podcast. The interviews and the gems I picked up along the way are priceless. Also, listening feels like I'm sitting with y'all. Keep up the good work. Love y'all. And here's a great one for you, Corey. I took some screenshots. I love Yes Girl and look forward to listening each week. Corey Murray and Charlie motherfucking Penn are my friends in my head. When the podcast skips a week, I feel like a good girlfriend stood me up for dinner. Keep the great content coming. And that is from Sunshine. 75 thank you thank you we won't we'll try not to stand you out boo yeah, we won't. i can't we won't. promise over the holidays you know yeah i'm gonna be real break. i'm gonna be real our producer <laughs> tiffany's looking at us like she understands but mostly so prepare okay we're all gonna take a holiday break but until then we'll see you at dinner boo you make the resis all right this week our conversation with well, my conversation with shan booty let's do it Everyone, I am thrilled. This is the first Yes Girl The Solve podcast crossover event with my homegirl in my head and now real life. It's happened. My one of, I have to say my favorite relationship expert on the history of all things internet, books, YouTube life, everything. Shan Booty is here. I always feel like the introduction is like for me to pop out the cake at some point. I don't know if I'm supposed to do it earlier. <laughs> like, like I'm here. When I, yeah. Just pop out now, but I'm still going to read all your receipts. No. Hey, boo. Thank you. Can I love on you as well, too? Please. And just say, I have never met someone who is so seductively warm in my entire life. And we've spoken on the phone before, and of yes. course, via email, but there's something about you in person that I know why you're snatched up, and I want next. Oh, my if God. If there's a next you. to be had, please put me in line. You, Girl, cue it up. Okay, I love you just as much. Seductively warm, y'all. My heart just fluttered. That is like the best compliment 
Do you know what? Sometimes I feel like uh, I used to run track and field and we go to these events and you're like, wow, I'm around the fastest people in America, the fastest people in the world. And right now I'm having a moment where I'm like, I'm around the best in the business. Like, what? That's how I see this love fest guy. See what I'm saying? That's how I feel about you. You are literally the most sought after relationship and sex expert on the Internet. You have over 35 million YouTube views. Million. Hello? Why are you memorizing this though? Because <laughs> girl, this is my bio, but you're like reading it I like from your mind. Scan for you. This is your this is your second book. It's my second that just came out, you yes. guys. Okay, we're gonna just get right to the promo because this book is life changing. The game of desire. Okay, five surprising secrets to dating with dominance. What? Hello. It came out July twenty fourth. Yes, exactly. Uh-huh. Yes, it's already number one dating book on Amazon. Yes, which is no surprise to me. Oh, thank you. This book is everything. We're gonna talk about the book. We're going to talk about the fact that literally you breathe relationship and sex gems. Mm-hmm. Like everything you say, every video. You're so, you know what, you guys, if you don't know Shambudi, I have to tell you, she's known for her honesty, vulnerability, and her receipts. Everything she says, she's, she so eloquently articulates and explains. I mean, she read Steve Harvey for filth. We all saw it. That was epic. I mean, I don't think it was a read. I think it, it was, was a read. You really? He was getting real uncle with you. Yes. And you were like, actually, my lifestyle works for me and yours can work for you. And I respect you. God bless. Yes. That was amazing. <laughs> if you guys haven't seen the clip, we're going to talk about it. There's so many places we could go. But can we start with your story? Mm-hmm. You are a celebrity sexologist. Mm-hmm. My new best friend. I've never had the word celebrity placed in front of my name ever. So what? thank How? you for this. I mean, because I think that, you know, we in itself, we're an... We're like the underbelly of wellness. Right. And so I think carving up, there hasn't been a big sex or relationship educator since Dr. Ruth. Like I'm really a crossover massive one. And so you are our Dr. Ruth. We're trying, we're doing it. I think there's an incredible surgence. Like there is probably 20 women that I know and men included actually, who are like now coming up and making this, like we're pushing our way into the forefront. So, and you've been doing this for like how many years? 14, 13, 13 years. Yes. Hello? Yes. A long ass time. That's over a decade. You've been doing it for a decade too. You know, that's why I see you. Sis. Yes. See? Uh, you know what I mean? We've been walking together. Seriously. So tell me how this all began. Because, yes. you know, we have some unique careers here. This is not an everyday job. I think people think about purpose a lot mm-hmm. as finding your purpose, going yeah. towards your purpose. Oftentimes, I think it's about going back. You know, what you really knew as a kid, what was that thing that you were naturally drawn to? And mm-hmm. so I always say some kids were just naturally great at the piano or really just drawn to art. I was always drawn to the human body. I was always drawn to touching, to physicality. And so by the time I was five years old, my Barbies were banned from being naked because they just never had clothes on. My mom was like, no, no, like Barbie can no longer, like she can't be at the grocery store just butt ass naked. And I was just- Barbie needs a little clothes. Yeah. And panties. I remember my first sexual experience um, at like five. It was me in a pillow and my friend in her pillow. And it was mm-hmm. a really, I remember to this day being really consensual and it felt pure and fun and it felt like an extension of me. My friend went and told the next day for some reason, I just even maybe just said it in conversation. I got in so much trouble. And so I started getting called lewd a lot by my family, like, oh, Shan's lewd. She's very lewd. As a young woman? As a kid. Lewd? Yes. Oh my God. Um, and it was just, you know, this natural desire that I had to 
love and for sexuality and for the human body was just repressed a lot. I also grew up in a West Indian household and we went to a Catholic school. And so when you have repression, two things happen. Either one, you conform and you're now a nun. Uh-huh. Or number two, you find a back door. Yeah. And I was a backdoor mother mother. So <laughs> I watched a lot of porn. I say this all the time and you're going to be the person who actually gets it. Because this is a crazy thing to me. This is a really important reference in my life and okay, no one gets me. it. I'm gonna try. The coldest winter ever. Yes. Sister soldier. Yes. What? That, no one gets that? Nobody gets they that. They should be locked up. They should be locked up? That book is mandatory It's a monumental read for me. I've read it 17 times. So remember when she lost her virginity? Yes. She came as soon as she was penetrated. Instantly. And I read that a billion times. I'm like, this is sex. And you know, I was watching porn. I'm like, this is sex. And I was watching TV shows. And so at 16 years old, when my coccyx fused and all my hormones were ready to go and my body was fired up and ready to start having sex, uh, my expectations were that of the coldest winter ever. Exactly. And it wasn't. And it wasn't. I was getting ready to say this. And it was not. <laughs> and it wasn't. Um, it wasn't a lot. And by the time I was 19 years old, I had mm-hmm. seven sexual partners, zero orgasms, zero relationships, uh, a lack of self-love, a lack of identity with my body, hatred towards my body because I thought my body was broken. Of course you did. Yes. You wouldn't in that situation. You keep trying, you keep trying, and you're not getting what you think it's supposed to be. And you've watched it, and you've seen it happen for others, and you're like, there's something wrong with me. There's and you're something- not yet a grown woman, so you don't even understand yourself or your body. And there's no information. You know, I didn't, my parents did a good job in a sense of they said, if you have any questions, ask. Mm-hmm. And I say that's good on one hand, but I caution parents from using that technique because I don't know what to say. Right. If you don't know what to talk about, why do you think I will? How right? am I going to ask you what I don't know? Yeah. And my mom, too, really like um, presented herself as a sexually perfect person so she was like you know when I was 18 I had a boyfriend we were in love we did it for the first time once and then I met your father and then fast forward there here comes you and so I'm like mom's got it figured out I'm trash so I can't come to my mom like I was having sex with pickles at age 14 I can't tell that person like hey mom is it okay to like use a carrot as a dildo those are the kind of questions I would feel comfortable going to my mom with and you feel judged before you begin exactly yeah So at 19, I was like just super unhappy and just every negative experience you could possibly have with sex. And then once again, I was at a crossroads. I could make a decision. I could keep going forward or I could press the stop button and figure it out. And so I got myself a library card back when libraries were the only ways you could learn about yourself and sex. I remember those days. And I read every single sex education book I could find. Uh, the Kinsey the Institute, the Masters and Johnson, the Sex Encyclopedia. Uh, I think I read, I don't know if She Comes First was out at the time, but I read every book I possibly could. And I was like, wow, this is great information, but it's boring as hell. So, And it's not for us. It's not, it's not for, for women us. a lot of times. Right. Well. It's too clinical. But also too, like sex sells, Hello. but sex ed does not. And so I saw an opportunity for someone to try to bridge the two together. And that's when I started working on my book, Laid. I love that. And tell everybody about your first book, Laid. Yeah, my first book, Laid, was basically just like a cry for help. I went to school at Coppin State University, and that's in Baltimore, and I was on a track scholarship. And at the time, I was 19 years old. That Mm -hmm. was my first time really having honest conversations about sex. Because before that, I was sexually active, you know, as at 16 years old. But I would just lie. I was basically repeating what I read in The Coldest Winter Ever. Like, girl, I had 15 orgasms. Yeah, we make it up. Yeah, it was amazing. My pussy. So I don't know. Can we swear? 
here. You can I, be your I have definitely self. not sworn 12 times so far. So I want to say shout great. out to me. <laughs> I was going to say, you're actually doing quite well, sis. But you can be your authentic self. Continue. Yeah, like, oh, this pussy self bomb. And like, he was calling me. He's begging me. All we the all lies. Lied. The lies. I lied so much at that age. Yes. Because the truth was like, you're like, okay, it's me. So I have to lie. And since all your friends lied, you just thought it was really you. Yes. Uh, you know? When was your first orgasm? Like from a from partnered sex? You know what? I'm so embarrassed to admit this. Probably like 20? Yeah, I think me too. You know, I faked it well. Yes! <laughs> I was, could get an Oscar yes, for that. You know what uh, I mean? And I actually thought, I think midway through faking it, that I was like, maybe this is it. And maybe my expectations yes. weren't just, <laughs> were just, you know, like maybe this is what it feels like. And maybe I'm just, I don't know, how you can have a high pain tolerance. Yes. I was like, maybe I have a high ecstasy tolerance. Like I was like, maybe it's me. See? That's Trouble. such a great rationale. <laughs> it's so funny. <laughs> That's kind of what I was thinking. Yes. But everyone was lying. But I do imagine you at that age kind of being the girl that all the young girls gathered around and it was like what's this and has this ever happened with your vagina and did it, you just seem like you've always been the source no I've, the I've always been loud I've always been and I think I was a loud liar mm. you know I, I was probably very harmful to a lot of people actually because I told such lies um, so I probably spread a lot of misinformation. I was probably someone else's coldest winter ever. Where they're mm. like, this is what sex is supposed to be. Shan said that she had 50 orgasms. Um, so, so I'm going to go sleep with all five of these dudes yeah. and I can find one. Exactly. And then when they don't, they're like, something is wrong with me. I'm broken. Let me go lie. And the cycle continues. And so at that age, that's when I really just pressed the stop button. And I was like, okay, like what I was saying is when I was at Coppin State University, we were around each other constantly because when you're on a track scholarship, you're based, they, they own you. Yeah. So you train twice a day, you compete every weekend. And on that team, people were like, I haven't had an orgasm before. Or I've had tons of orgasms. Or I've had anal. Or here's what oral is and why it's so good. And here's how you do oral properly. And here's how you have oral performed on you properly. Here's how fingering gets done well. Um, I met a girl who was HIV positive, but still are really, you know, not exactly what I thought of at 19 years old, what an HIV positive person looks like. And so I was like, there's so many powerful, interesting, I'm engaged, yeah. I'm learning and I'm drawn in and it's sexy and it's funny and it's interesting, but at the same time, it's real. Yeah. I'm like this is a sex education that I was missing. And if we just weaved in some facts here and there, like this is it. And so my book laid was just that. I collected stories from people that were real, authentic, and honest, and I wanted them to tell everything. Tell me about what you wore and like how you sprayed down your sheets and yes. your feelings and all of that. And then tell me the next day that you cried on your pillow because you felt sick to your stomach remembering that night because it wasn't what you expected. Or tell me that you called your best friend because it was awesome. Like, tell me the full story the whole and truth. let's learn from the truth. Um, and that was, you know, 10 years ago. And I think I still utilize that exact same technique to this day. That is your brand. You are so authentic and you get pe other people to be authentic and you're not about glossing over things or sweetening them up so they feel good for the internet or for TV. You're like, no, this is just the truth. Whether you're talking about open relationships yes. or sex or love or marriage, because you're married. Yes, Congratulations. We married. Yes, we I'm married. New. I'm new to this, not true to this. So Congratulations. Yes. How's it feel? It's the same. I always say it to people. I think people have this letdown when I say that, but we already live together. So I find that whenever I meet a couple who I'm like, oh, they're newly married and they're like, we did oh it. my God, like marriage just changed everything. Everything. We're so much more connected. I just feel like when I look over, it's like my person now. And you're like, really? Like, it's what what changed? And they're like, I, we just 
you know, fell in love more. And then you ask a couple more questions. They moved in together. Yeah. And you're like, okay, so you <laughs> felt closer because they were there now. Yeah, that's Before you had to call them. Now you woke up, boop, they're there. So, I mean, not to say that it can't. I'm sure, especially if you are religious, feeling like you are now in God's favor and God's light and that the union solidified by God, I'm sure would give another level of True. love and, and validity and an impact. But for us, we were already living in sin. No, it's real. Yeah. So. No, it's real. My husband and I had the same scenario. We got married and we came back from our honeymoon and we looked around our apartment. We were like, oh, okay. Yeah. Because we had been living together for some time and we had an epic wedding, epic honeymoon. But then that, you know, the ride is ending. The roller coaster is coming down because you've had this amazing like two weeks in your life. And we were like, I was like, shit. And I was like tapping my feet. And he's like, what's wrong with you? I'm like, well, we just have a marriage license now. Like, I'm going to frame it, but we got to do something. So we redid the entire apartment. Oh, that's awesome. I was like, something has to be... Yes, you know, like our new life together has to start. So we literally redid everything from corner to corner, from paint to furniture. I was like, we need a grown married couple's apartment. That means, like you said, you you have to do something. Yeah, I respect that. We didn't do anything. Um, We definitely didn't go on our honeymoon right away. You should do it. You should do it. You know what? I actually loved it the way that it was because I said yes to him forever because of who he was. I wasn't expecting to be like, oh, there's going to be another level to this. Right. And if there is over time, that should naturally organically happen. I didn't expect for the day to change things. And I'm like, I don't know. I loved it. I loved everything about it. We got married in a house and my family stayed there for the week. His family stayed there for the week. I'm from Beautiful. Canada. So our families coming together was a big deal. We have we a lot on. of listeners in Canada. Shout out to Shout Canada. Shout out to Canada. Hello. Toronto. Bup, bup. Uh, <laughs> my honeymoon, I guess, in I'll put in air quotes, we went to Las Vegas with my parents and my aunties. I love that. Yeah, so it was like, you know, it was just, I don't know, it, it was like a really good representation of our relationship. We're like the same person. We kicked off our honeymoon in Vegas. Yes. And then went to Maui. Girl, I didn't what know Vegas gets that cold. Girl. When we went, because we went, it was like around New that Year's Eve. Desert when it was fifty degrees, like so. we were in winter coats. Um, so. you Caribbean? I know you were like. So I reclaimed my time, <laughs> and we redid the honeymoon in February. Um, because I was like, we gotta do that again. That was not the honeymoon I want to remember. But you actually had your second honeymoon too. I just saw the picture. Yeah, yeah. We, we like to do that a lot. We like to just enjoy being in love. I love like we're that. excessive with it. Like any chance we can get to redo our honeymoon, we're gonna renew our vows next week in Aruba. <gasps> like doing wow! all these things. Like we're just gonna for ninth just year. Go for it. We're, well, we had an opportunity to go to the most beautiful beach in Aruba, so we're like, while we're there, you know, let's just recommit. You, you, there's no rules. There's no rules. There's what are none. rules? We're millennials. Do it again for year ten. What are rules? Yeah, right. exactly. <laughs> we are with a party yeah. <laughs> and an Instagram filter. Okay, I don't like. I love that about love being that. young millennial and in love. And yes, you, and I love that you are married because the other day I was telling you. I I was on BuzzFeed Hello Opinions and I felt like a dinosaur because I'm millennial. This sticker is from two days ago. How hard do you work where the sticker's so worn out? (laughs) Seriously. Oh, you mean that? Oh my God, I know. Seriously, I'm working all the time. Girl, you know, this content game, it's serious. Yes. And we have to give women what they need, which is this amazing relationship advice. Oh, thank you. And we can talk talk about my book, okay, in case you guys can't see. I'm rubbing it. I'm rubbing it. it. Mm. No, but what I'm getting at, seriously, is to be a millennial dating expert is kind of weird Mm -hmm. because so many millennials feel like they're not getting love right or dating right. Yes. They don't even feel like it's for them, mm-hmm. which is a lot of why your book came about. Like this idea that dating is just a game, but yes. not a game they can win uh-huh. and not a game that leads That's to love. Fun. So I was invited on the show because I'm a millennial, but I've been married for almost 10 years. And she was like, you're just like 
so weird. It's amazing. And I was like, <laughs> what? But in a good way. But yes. I was still like the auntie on the panel. And I was like, what's happening? So you are a millennial now, relationship expert, sex expert, sex expert, and you're married. But you wrote this book to help single women. Yes. Can we get into the book, please? Do you know what, to be super honest with you, yeah. the subtitle says five surprising secrets. First of all, there's no surprising secrets. They're pretty basic. Um, but secondly, <laughs> it says to dating with dominance. I really would scratch that line out. I would just really? say five surprising secrets to getting what you want. It's really just about using intimacy as your superpower. I love that. We are born to bond as mammals, as anybody um, who procreates, you are, you're born to bond. I mean, survival and procreation are the two yes. goals that are built into all of us. And so for that reason, um, when you think about humans, we're not the fastest runners, we're not the best swimmers, we're not the best tree climbers, we don't have the sharpest teeth. What makes us special? What makes us stand out? What is our superpower in essence? And it's yes. our ability to work together and to rely on each other beyond reasonable doubt. So I, when I say love is our superpower, I don't mean that like in a hokey way, I mean like in a literal biological way, our greatest gift is our ability to connect and to be social. Yes. So that being said, why aren't we spending more time learning how to be incredible connectors? Like to me, I obviously, and we're probably on the same page with this, we believe that there needs to be a sex education reform. And Absolutely. I agree with that. But I also think on the flip side, what about an emotional intelligence component to the education? Also necessary. Why aren't we learning in kindergarten, you know, when our best friend plays with someone else and we now want to stab that person? <laughs> what are those feelings inside of us? How do we manage them? And how do we tell her? Yes, how do we tell her? Exactly. How do we resolve conflict? Like these really big parts that are going to be integral to your life because socialization and connection are the basis of the human experience. But yet we have no education on that. And we so can't for communicate me, what we want because we don't know how to say it. Yeah, we don't have the, I, my pet peeve, honestly, I hate vague advice. I hate vague advice, especially when it comes to love. And so when people say, oh, the key to relationships is communication. I'm like, but babe, what do you how. say? We don't like, know say do what? It. You know what I mean? Like, the, oh, the key to going to Thailand is to speak in Thailand. That's not their language. I am definitely ignorant for that. But Thai. No, but we're with you. Thai. But I don't speak Thai. So what are the words? Like, I need more specific language. I need more concrete instruction. I need exactly. for you to walk me through exactly. this. And so that's what this book is. It's like, let's take things back to the basics. I want you to be a masterful connector. And as a result of being a masterful connector, you will be a better dater. And so the book is like, as much as it's a dating book, I think it's really just about the basics. Like, you have that. When I walked into this room, like you lit up, you made me feel welcome, you made me feel alive. Mm -hmm. Like you are already, I meet people all the time and I'm like, I could sit and learn from you. Like you are- Thank you, sis. Yeah, you are a professional seducer in my eyes. And oh so- Honey, don't listen to this, I'm not. My husband's my biggest podcast fan. He'd be like, seducer you say. Well, you know, I think sed he gets it. seduction is the ability to draw it. people in and have them wanting to come back. No, it's true because I've actually had a lot of experiences in my life where I have a male friend or coworker or something like that and they think that I'm flirting with them. But I'm absolutely not. And my husband or somebody will be right there and they're like, oh, she's not flirting. That's just her. But, but it can come off that way because I think I make people feel good. Yes. And that sometimes can translate into something that it's not, and that's fair. But like you said, I'm seductively warm. I guess, you know, I mean, like maybe that this goes to like your it. relationship dynamic because I think of myself as super seductive and extremely flirty. I feel that. And I don't look at that as like an impingement on my partnership because I think like, flirty is like, it's Tuesday. It's not like a thing that I'm like, oh, it's Saturday night, flirting. <laughs> and it's like, oh, I'm going to the Uber, let me flirt. Like, yeah. I'm going to go get a hot dog, let me give a compliment. So flirting is just communication plus sparks. It's a language. And I, I want people to feel something when they're around me. And so why not add a little extra sauce in it? But Yes, sauce. Yes, but it depends on your relationship style and how you want to respect that. And if you prefer the words like warm and engaging, then like that's what exactly what I mean. I and mean, words are powerful. Words are powerful. 
Up next, more Yes Girl to come. I think that's how I ended up working with the sex workers. I was answering phones. I'm Tracy McMillan. This is Demetria L. Lucas. Hey, it's Aviola. Hey, this is Nikki Morgan. I'm a relationship expert. No, guru. You're a clinical sexologist. <laughs> and you're listening to The Solve. And you're listening to The Solve. And you're listening to The Solve. Ladies, this is Charlie Penn. You are listening to The Solve, our brand new Essence Relationship podcast. And as many of you know, as the love and relationships editor for Essence for the last nine years, I have been dealing with matters of the heart for a long time. And I'm constantly interviewing different experts, influencers, and just women and men about their relationship problems. So that's what this podcast is all about, solving your biggest relationship problems. So welcome to The Solve. Let's do it. Now, in this book, you were particularly helping a group of women. Yes. Can we talk about it? Because you really forced these single women to like basically Not the go, word forced. No, but I lo- but basically, okay, they've signed up for it, but they didn't realize yes. what they were signing on for. Yes. And they thought they could half-ass it. And you were like, no, sis, yes. we're going to do the work. But you really helped them. And in the end, they all swear by this. So can you please talk about the actual, it's basically like a boot camp. It was the book a boot is a boot camp. camp yeah, I actually did a TV show years ago called Shambooty is Your Perfect Date, in which I went on, I think, like 50 first dates and different people. There was nothing consistent. But the thing was, you know how we think about cooking? Yes. You can be a great cook and we can all acknowledge there's a certain amount of skill. There's there's recipes like there's a talent to that. Yes. But when it comes to dating, we don't think about that like a talent. We don't like there's universal principles that will work across the board. So for this show, I went out to prove I'm like dating is a skill, y'all. So when you're telling me your dating's awful and dating is bad and this and the third, it's a skill that you haven't acquired yet. And that's okay because a lot of us didn't grow up with parents who were great examples. Again, we weren't taught emotional intelligence in school. We were never really pushed to pursue our own individual education. So why would you be great? Exactly. You've been at this for 10 years. So yes, you're a master. You have been professionally talking to people for 10 years. So of course you're a pro. Most other people aren't. So exactly. I'm like, if you're not good at dating or, or dating is trash for you, you can learn. And so I went up to prove that there's like certain things you can do to always make a date go well. And while the show went well, the feedback I got from people was like, yeah, but you're a light-skinned girl with green eyes and curly hair. And like, of course it went well for like, you. Of course it happened for you. And that's fair. So don't get me wrong. I'm saying it in a mocking voice. It's absolutely a fair assessment and critique. And so for this book, it was important that I show that it worked on others. And you have all different types of women. Please talk about it, because I think what you did was brilliant. Yeah, so I cast, I put out, a, I actually don't have a very large audience in LA. So I thought I would get like 15 people who would apply. It was 300. Wow. Who really just like, were like, I'm down to do this. And it, it was like, I'm not offering any money. I'm just saying this is an immersive summer experience in which you're gonna learn how to date better. And so I was looking for single people who are ready to try something radical. 300 women? Yeah. Apply? Yeah. See? These streets. These They're streets. <laughs> These streets are and tough. We get asked these questions all the time, so I can imagine. Okay, so they showed up. They're ready. Yeah, so I actually interviewed them all um, via like Skype or FaceTime because okay. like you have to have that face-to-face interaction. And one of my favorite books that massively impacted me is The Science of Happily Ever After by Dr. Tai Tashiro. And in that book, he talks about like you, everyone gets three wishes. And so when you're looking for a partnership, you have to have your three wishes really clear. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I use to scout out these women. I had three wishes that I was looking for and if they met those three then they would be considered and so I ended up with six I originally thought I wanted three then I pushed it to five um, and those six women range from age 24 to 37 uh, it was black white Latina and they all had different jobs 
So none of them had anything in common other than the fact that they were like, this is trash. What next? <laughs> Dating sex. Yes. And what happened? It was great. I mean, this is the thing. It's like, it was such an incredible experience for me learning wise. Because when I originally started the book, I was like, this is a six week boot camp. <laughs> six weeks to becoming a masterful seducer. And then meanwhile, one year later, I'm still working with them. Um, so it was definitely a recognizing point for me because I'm like, I've been in this space for 13 years, so my muscle memory is there. So picking up a new technique is easier for me. Right. Similar to a basketball player, them trying something new is easy if they are already in practice with basic tips. And so for these women who had never done anything, everything took a very long time. And I love that. So we had, had to, to do the work. really go slow, yes, and really do the work and really a lot of like, um, the, the biggest magic to me was the group dynamic. And I think that for anyone reading this book, it's great to read alone, but if you can read it with friends and have a discussion and take some of the parts in the book where there are activities. I was gonna say, that's what you do. Activities and quizzes. You together. really ask us to assess ourselves. Yes. In every aspect of romance and matters of the heart and body. Talk about that because when, okay, there's a section in your book about figuring out your turn on trigger yes and I can't answer it and I don't know why I, I, I was felt away I was like well I'm kind of stuck between I think it's a and c mm -hmm. and I'm like what's wrong with me those are really different so like is that, my is that desire and sapiosexual desire and environmental yeah oh interesting and I was like are there two women in me because that just feels so different but I didn't even think of a turn on trigger mm -hmm. I've been whole married for almost a decade and I was like turn on trigger like, what's this? I'm, you know, we're all still learning, but I was, I'm still kind of struggling to answer, but I'm not going to give up. So you know I like what? You, you can have, two, same with love languages, you can have two. You think they're, right? aren't those kind of weirdly opposite guys? I mean, guys, you guys have to read no. the book to know what, Desire how Desire means I am. you need someone to look at you and be like, you are hot as hell. Take your clothes off. I want you. Right now. Go. I want you. I felt so urgent. Right. Yeah. Like <laughs> you are just dripping with sex. I want all of it. Yeah. In my mouth. Um, and then environmental <laughs> is, and also can we clean up? Right, and I need a light and some music I need and clean sheets. Yes, I want my senses to be engaged in this moment. So I think that you can be both. The, the thing with turn on triggers yeah, what, or tell love everyone languages. Yeah, what they are, because you know, I read the book, they have made me haven't yet. Okay, sorry guys. Um, so turn on we'll triggers is in. a way of assessing, especially I think in long-term relationships, because when you first get into a romantic connection, your biology is doing all the work for you. Yeah. It's like, again, we're born to bond, and they're like, your body's like, oh, here's a new person, we're bonding with them, this is a possible person we can, we can procreate with, it's yes. so exciting, and so your risk and reward centers lighting up, you're getting this dopamine rush, you get the adrenaline, you get the butterflies. And there was actually a study by Dr. Helen Fisher, which I love, and she said that all those initial feelings you get in the beginning of a relationship, how your body is lighting up with somebody, if you actually felt that over a long period of time, you would shorten your lifespan. Because all of that like adrenaline going through your system and all that really? like spike of emotion would damage your tissue over time. What? And so we can't continue to have that fireworks. And so when you first get together with someone, you don't need a turn on trigger. You're just turned on all the time. Instantly. And then after a while, you have to start doing the work yourself. Mm -hmm. Your body is no longer like doing all of the effort. You had to go and into manual. And so a turn on trigger is a way of assessing how do I get my partner on the same page as me? Because we may not always be in the same page. So if I'm looking to engage sexually and they're not there yet, what do they need in order to like get into that space? And the five are uh, mental, which is like sapiosexual. You need a mental connection first. Uh -huh. And you have desire, which is exactly that, just the language that says, I want you, that really ignites you. Like, tell me what you want. There's cat and mouse, where you like a little bit of the play, the push and pull. If someone's like always asking you and they're all over you, it's like, let me come to you. Right. Like, let me like warm up to you. Entice me a little. 
Then there's environmental, which is yourself. All your senses have to be treated as well. Um, and then finally, there's the transactional. And that's somebody whom sex for them is not really that exciting. But sex, if you go pick up the kids, now we're talking. Like, sex, give me something and I'll exactly. give you something. Like, that feels so unhealthy to me. It, but think about an asexual person uh-huh. or think about somebody who has a low sex drive where it's just like, that's just not how they make connections and like that's not their thing and that's okay. And so for that person, if they're still engaged with somebody who maybe has a slightly higher sex drive, it's like, look, like I'll make this compromise for you, but I'm asking for a compromise in return. You guys, I kid you not, we're talking about literally like two pages of the book. That's yeah. how good it is. <laughs> like we just had an entire back and forth and we're on one chapter. Yes. You have really done the work. But this work is for single women. I do want to make sure we help them a bit if they're listening. Um, we, I feel like the most common thing black women say to me is dating is pointless. Like you said, it's trash, yes. it's pointless. But you've basically proven that we can change the way we look at dating and change the outcome. So what do you think are maybe two things that single women can just do right now to change the outcome of their dating? Because that outcome is what's discouraging the sisters. If you want, here's the first thing though. I want to say specifically for black women, like let's not gaslight. Dating is harder. Mm -hmm. It is more difficult. Um, You don't, black women don't get the benefit that a white male might have of having preference in the dating space. Whereas a white man walks into a room, people think he works there. People think he belongs there. There's a natural like acceptance and a draw towards that person. There's more familiarity. And so, and also too, we watch movies white women or white males are always seen as the love interest. And so, you know, a lot of our brain is based on uh, exposure, familiarity. And so if we're familiar with someone being pegged as a love interest, we are familiar, we're comfortable making them our own love interest. So for that is a, a, a three, three out of the six women that I work with in the book were black women. And mm-hmm. across the board, everybody had the same experiences and the same awful stories. I did a, yeah. a video that was me interviewing and Keandra Jackson, who you know. Yes. She was also in that. She is a licensed marriage and family therapist. We're talking about their experiences. And I found myself speaking a lot of times and saying, like, I, no, that, that can't be true. Right. Like, that can't, someone could not have said that to you. And they did. Um, and because my experience as somebody who's mixed, a mixed black woman is very different than a, a African-American black woman. I'm also Canadian as well, too. So I have to affirm that first and foremost, if you think it's hard, like, completely understand and I validate your experience and your right to feel that way. But I think also black women have done an incredible job of defying the odds everywhere else. Yes, we have. And the shitty thing is you actually have to just accept the fact it's going to be harder work. You know what I mean? Like uh, black women are the most educated group in North America. That's a stat that came out two years ago. I don't know if it still holds uh, weight to that. But I receive it. <laughs> that to be said that against all odds, like you have risen to the top of the food chain. You have worked your ass off. Yeah. You have become the yeah. breadwinner in your family. Like you raised children. You have changed the world. You have shaped culture. You have loved on each other. And that wasn't supposed to be the story. But through hard work and dedication and learning skills and applying yourself and pushing yourself, you accomplish that goal and then some and so the thing with love and relationships is like that same domination can happen yes. but the equal effort has to be put in we can change our endings ladies yes we can. and giving up is not the answer it's not it can't be i mean especially i would say in some cases like there's some things in life i'm okay with like not being great at same you know what i mean i'm okay like cooking, cleaning, yeah like i'm cool <laughs> fine like i'm trash let's all someone. talk about it yeah. it's fine you know mm-hmm. what i mean like i always put in my extensions not that great like my ponytail is kind of like makeshift on today and someone's like you know you could sew it in i'm like oh i don't like, want to sew it in i don't i'm okay i'm all right with the tracks move on um so <laughs> there's just things in life i accept that like i'm just i don't want to try i just don't think that love should be one of those things 
Now, what is it that we're doing that we can stop doing, though? Because I think a lot of the work, the onus is on us to, I, your book is a lot of, is really about self-assessment mm-hmm. and un, better understanding, like, your dating style and what it means for you to date with dominance. Can we talk about that? Because I think that's so important. So that, I'll give you, like, two, like, sort of. Don't give like, away the whole book. I'll give away, like, like tea. Uh, it's kind of a mix because, I mean, it's 300 pages. So people ask me for, like, two things. I'm, like, page one through 75 um, <laughs> is phase one. So, I mean, the biggest thing you could do is get to know yourself. Here's what I'll do. Yeah. If you go to thegameofdesire.com slash workbook, uh-huh. it is a free workbook. There is no, like, entry there's no email entrance it's just go and do it it's all my favorite quizzes and assessments i love that big five um it's apology language attachment style orgasm recipe that's a great way to get to know yourself and like that should serve as your basis and once you do that i think that will do a lot of clarification number two my favorite dating tip just in general so you never have a dull time on a date Mm -hmm. employ the two to one What's that? So for every one question someone asks you, make an effort to ask them two in return. I love that. They're going to enjoy the date more, number one. Two, you're going to improve your listening skills. And three, when you listen, you learn. Even if you learn something that's kind of like boring or whatever else, like at least you're getting something out of it. And that's an easy way. People love to talk about themselves. I mean, you've made a career off of this, right? Seriously. Seriously. It's, it, it, and they do. And honestly, the more I feel like you quiz a person, the more comfortable they get with opening up and being vulnerable and you kind of want to get there especially when you're dating like I feel like you don't have time to waste it's so crazy I did this experiment once where you know the 36 questions to fall in love oh yes so I tested it out on a date did you but I just was like let me get through I didn't tell the person I was doing this so I'm like I'm gonna get through all these 36 questions and see if in the end we feel closer how'd it go literally did not ask me a single thing back I because I was just asking and following up and they were like talking and so excited talk about themselves. Oh, so in a good way. They just they just yeah. I love that. But when the date was over, they were like, I've never felt like I've been so close to somebody. I feel like I know you more than I've known anyone else. I'm like, you don't know nothing about me. Like, you know, <laughs> but it's, you I know, know everything about you. You don't know my last name. You don't know what I do for a living. Like, you just talked about yourself this whole time. But that left you feeling like this is what connection is. So I said to say that that's a hack. Yeah. If you want people to feel really close to you really quickly, ask questions. Like that. That's the dating hack. And what do you feel like are dating myths about black women? Because I think there's, you know, uh, we know the ones that like we're just not desirable um, with men of other races. I don't think that's true. No. You know what I mean? That um, our intelligence and career, um, you know, attributes make us less desirable to black men who are educated. I don't think that's true. So what in your experience are some myths about black women and dating? that we need to stop, let go of. I think you just listed them all. And I think that black women are doing an incredible job of the rebrand. I think I see that happening. Mm. I look around this room and I see everybody rocking natural hair. You know what I mean? Like yeah. reclaiming your space, like not trying to compare or compete, but really just stepping in your own grace and excellence and essence. And not the weaves, of course, that. are beautiful. And no, wigs. but I'm true. the wig queen. But I just mean in, in sense of like really being like, no, this is the space that we're occupying and we're doing it in a sexy way. And you know what? Like seeing Lapita as the love interest in Black Panther even, like that was something new, I think, to experience and see. Because it's not just a movie for a black audience, a movie for everybody. Reclaiming that narrative. And I think for a four-year-old white kid to see that, I think is really, really impactful and important. Absolutely. Um, And so I would say that those myths that have been existing, I, I see the work that's already being done. And so I am more of a fan. I'm in the audience. I am an appreciator and uplifter. I don't think I'm the leader of that conversation. Now, I could talk to you for the rest of my life. 
because we're best friends and I feel like yes. you never stop giving <laughs> But I'm sure gems. everyone thinks that you guys are best friends. You think so? I 100% think so. I oh think people must always be like, yeah, we're, we're besties. Me and Charlie are besties. And you're like, I talked to them once at Starbucks. No, I, I'm warm. Like you said, seductively warm. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hold on to that for the rest of my life. I'm going to add it to my Instagram bio. Yes. So seductively warm. <laughs> but seriously, you have to come back so we can go in about everything because you and I talk about having better orgasms. Yes. And that is like, it's amazing. She gave the absolute best advice. And our conversation ended on us swapping about our favorite vibrators, which was hilarious. We, which we said we would trade. We didn't do it. We should have done that today. Oh my God, we should have done that today. But you sent me one, so now I have to send you one. So I don't have the satisfier. Well, I'm going to send it to you. Okay, thank What's you. It's happening. She sent me the Crave Vesper, guys. So, you know, write those down. But seriously, you can come back. We can talk about sex. But in the meantime, if you want to leave the listeners with one thing that you absolutely need them to know about you and this book, what is it? My favorite like one-liner from this book and something that I think I adopt now is the l- mantra that you are whoever you consistently decide to be. Mm. And so you are not beholden. I think when I talk to people and they're like, I'm introverted or I'm not a good flirter or I'm not good in crowds or I'm not good on dates. There was a point in time that you probably said, like, I can't do eyeliner. And now you're the winging ass queen motherfucker. You okay, know what I mean? Like, like hello. You learn, right? You learn through practice. And maybe it was rough the first few times, but through repetition and through resilience, you figured it out. And now yeah. you own that space. And so you can be whoever you want to be. That is not a decision, though. That's a result of putting the work in. Yes. And I implore and encourage you all to do the work because the results come in the process. And don't be afraid of the work. Embrace it. Because if there's nothing to work on, why be alive? Okay. And I implore you all to go get the Game of Desire. Go order on Amazon. Order one for you and your friend. All your single friends that tell you how hard the streets are, get this book for them. No, seriously. (laughs) This book was written for you. Shan is way too humble. It's incredible. Your YouTube numbers say it all. You already know, guys. She knows what she's doing. Thank you. It's happened. You know, you are that one. Thank you for all the gems today. Thank you for your time. And you better come back. I know. I'm actually I'm sad serious. that this ended. It feels like a date that was cut short. I'm like, we're having a great time. Like, I we know. Should, which is we should why keep I was talking. literally like, we have to do part two. Next time I come to LA, I'm bringing the mics and we're just going to do it again. Yes. We should just make this a regular I want you on my thing. YouTube channel too. Stop it. No, I do a sex talk and it goes there, but I, I want us to go there together. I'm okay with that. I will beat my face, come on there and just say, come on there. <laughs> <laughs> Stay tuned, guys. Charlie's going to come on my, on my YouTube on channel. YouTube channel. <laughs> but I would love that. And we love you. Thank you, Shan. Thank, Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Essence listeners. Special thanks to our guest, Shan Booty. Be sure to listen, download, or subscribe to more episodes of Yes Yes, Girl, featuring interviews with Jada Pinkett Smith, Amanda Seals, Ayala Van Zandt, and Michael B. Jordan. You can find Yes Girl on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Apple listeners, yes, that's you. Be sure to leave a review and let us know what you think. We love reviews. Give us reviews. More, more reviews. Thank you. Don't forget to talk to us on social. At Corey Murray. At Charlie Penn on Instagram and at ManWifeDog on Twitter. Be sure to use hashtag YesGirlPodcast. Love ya. Talk to you soon.